This is the Friday, September 16, 2022 version of the Market Analysis segment from Market to Market. USDA lent its voice to what many were already saying. There's a smaller crop in the field for the week. The nearby wheat contract dropped by a dime, while the December corn contract lost eight cents. Russia and Chinese leaders met, giving the soybean complex something to parse, along with harvest pressure. The November contract added 36 cents in response. December meal improved by $11 per ton. December cotton shrank 5.55 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, October class three milk futures improved 48 cents. The livestock market it was mixed. October cattle lost 18 cents. October feeders cut 4.33, and the October lean hog contract gained 3.72. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index increased 72 ticks. October crude, well, it dropped by $1.29 per barrel. COMEX Gold sold off 41.90 per ounce, and the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index fell by almost 8 points to finish at 6.3805. Joining us now to provide some insight is our good friend Don Rose. Hey, Don. Great to be back, Paul. Good to have you here. This wheat story has been a story of weather domestically, Russia, Ukraine, globally, Throw in Australia with a good crop. What's the concoction telling you right now here for the next little bit? Well, if you look at it, Paul, I mean, number one, we haven't gone anywhere on wheat since the middle of July. We had the big flurry in February, you know, backing up when the uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine war really began. And, uh, you know, a lot of flurry around that, a lot of risk premium added to the market, a lot of fund buying. And then we, as the corridor opened up, we just sank down to a level of support. And really, we have excess supplies of wheat, if you count the Black Sea area. We're very, very tight outside of that. And so when it looks like the corridor opens up, we come under pressure and we go the other way when it doesn't. So, so choppy. Is, it's okay, choppy, but not volatile, right? Is there a difference? Or? Well, I think volatility, uh, you know, is... Uh, kind of the momentum that it has. So I think you're right. You know, it's, I think it's been, uh, well, just like uh, on, we had a, a hook reversal down technically, pounded the market down on Thursday, rallied sharply on Friday. It's just uh, directionless. Um, but if you look at the U.S. from a competitive standpoint, we're not competitive in the world market. And, and the government said that in the last report. Well, in, in the government, you'd probably then say, well, the dollar. And is the dollar the big reason we're not competitive globally? The dollar's a lot of it, um, you know, plus the transportation cost, uh, the supply chains. Ukraine, if they can ship wheat out, um, you know, they have uh, Europe in their back door. Russia has a, a huge crop, um, probably the largest crop that they've ever ha- had on record, the largest exporter um, in the world. So I think that's putting a cap on it. And they're selling wheat below the world market just to uh, get some currency uh, behind them. Real quick, if I'm somebody who's very in tune to this wheat market. What am I doing? Well, I think what you're, uh, you're looking on setbacks, you certainly aren't interested in selling. I mean, we have a very uh, short supply down in the Southern Plains, um, well documented. But on rallies close to a $9 mark, we're seeing uh, producers uh, try and lighten up on some of their supplies, just saying we're not going anywhere as fast. Well, somewhere where we're going is corn uptrend, barely. Why? 
Well, I think if you take the, the week in review for all of these grains, Paul, what we've really found out is on Monday we had a, a supply bullish market. Um, you know, yields down, acres down surprisingly, a million on corn, 660,000 on soybeans. That was the supply side. Um, got a big rally over 75 cents in soybeans. You couldn't stick it over $15, couldn't get up to the gap of 1536, and then we retreat. Same thing on corn. We could not get over $7, let alone the gap of 728 and a half. So that was the supply side. That was the bull story for the week. And then we stalled uh, on that day after that. We had a, a basically a market that on the demand side was negative the rest of the week. We had a day where the equity markets were dialed, the Dow Jones down over 1,200. We had uh, just a real weak uh, overall fear of inflation, fear of interest rates uh, uh, continuing to rise, which next Wednesday, you know, probably rise three quarters to a percent. So we're push and pull, supply bull, uh, demand bear, and that's what the government said too in the report if you really analyze it. Were you, so I'm not getting that you maybe were too surprised by that government report on Monday? Well, I think you had to be surprised at the acres. Oh, the acres. You know, the acres uh, on soybeans. um, And basically, if you look at the acres, they took the acres down in a lot of these dry areas. A little surprising, took uh, the soybean acres in Illinois down 400,000. We're going to live with those acres. The yield, um, last year, remember, we had a yield that went up into the final. Is that going to happen again? That's the question mark. Well, the question that many are asking of, well, what took USDA so long? And we have a commodity question we'll get to in a moment about that um, in the Market Plus, just discussing this crop that's not there. So I guess the question becomes, what do you make of harvest pressure that's about to enter the market as we're about to roll a whole bunch of combines across the country? Well, and I think that's the real question mark is what's the yield going to be? I mean, we're going to live with the acres. Um, what's the yield going to be going forward? And so far, early yields, um, disappointing, um, I would say, under what the trade, uh, under what the producer had thought so far. But remember, the early yields are usually the uh, the worst uh, acres that are harvested, so not a big surprise there. Um, I think, Paul, when you really back up on it, you have to ask yourself, is this a typical year? And by that, I mean, uh, you've heard before, the short crop, long tail. And where we end up with that is right in the gut slot of harvest. Usually we put in a low. And in a short crop, it's just the opposite. You put your high in, no carry in the market. The uh, end user covers because he's definitely afraid. And the merchandiser can't afford to carry the grain, so he uh, sells it, and you drift lower into the spring. We'll see. Most mm. of that depends on South America, Paul. Typical. We haven't seen that in a number of years. So, <laughs> But this we year, haven't. certainly not. I mean, uh, when you say South America, we'll flip over to soybeans now as, as we move the discussion along. Um, I want to discuss this global story of Putin and Xi having the meeting. Um, what does that mean to the American soybean producer? Well, if you look at it, uh, China really is shunning the U.S. from a purchasing standpoint. Um, they're the largest supply, the largest buyer in the world. They buy about 60% of our soybeans. Um, South America, you know, talking to that, um, between Brazil, Paraguay, and, um, and uh, Argentina, they're expected to have a crop that's amazing, 1.35 billion bushels more than last year. So what you're looking at is they just Brazil can just start planting uh, soybeans September 15th, so they just started. But their early uh, beans will come in uh, in the middle of January. 
So if they don't have a weather problem, that's what it was all about last year. Um, are they going to have back-to-back uh, weather problems in a La Nina year? China desperately wants to buy uh, from uh, South America, and they have been. Uh, they're cheaper than us right now. But um, you know they may have to come to the United States if Brazil, South America in general, has a weather problem. So watch it close. It's dry in Argentina getting uh, some typical good rains and start of the rainy season in northern Brazil. So no problems yet, but uh, I would say we officially start watching South America. You mentioned one potential buyer in the Chinese. Who else wants to buy the American crop? Well, our neighbor to the south, uh, Mexico, has been a big buyer of corn and soybeans. And, you know, we have all the other Asian countries um, are, are still buying soybeans on the export front. But, you know, and that's the risk with having one big buyer uh, because so, go, you, so goes your big buyer, so goes the market. So we'll see. Um, in China, of course, they're in a continued lockdown on covid and that's a real issue. That's a supply uh, chain issue. And so, you know, their demand is really off on a lot of things. We do have a question about soybean meal, which is tied to the, the soybean trade there in a little bit. And it's Mark in Illinois, and he asked us on Facebook this week. He says, how bad has the meal demand been hurt with the high meal price? Goes back to the old, what will kill high prices? High price. Well, you know, and you, you, really what we've been doing is crushing the soybeans for the oil, not the soybean meal. So we had excess supply of soybean meal for a while, and we moved to the bottom end of the range. Now we move to the top end of the range. But um, livestock numbers on uh, hogs are supposed to be up uh, 1.5% next year. Uh, poultry is uh, back, uh, demand's picking up. So, you know, I don't think it's hurt all that bad. Uh, but, you know, we're still crushing the soybeans uh, for the... Uh, for the oil and uh, China's crush margins are negative. Well, let's stick with soybean meal. Let's go into the hog market. You kind of mentioned it a little bit there. Uh, kind of a cash market this week, and what else happened? Well, the big thing that's happened in the hog market is we had a convergence of the cash in the futures. The basis level is just way too wide, and uh, so we're correcting that. The October now is, what, within a dollar and a half of the index. The uh, December hog is still big, too big of a discount, but um, you know the hog market is going to be a stop-and-go type of market because the supplies in the fourth quarter are going to be down 1.5%, second quarter go up 1.5%, down uh, in the second quarter 1.5%. So seasonally, you're you're supposed to be a little friendly on summer hogs starting next week for into the middle of November. So we'll see if the seasonals uh, kick in. But up front, it's all about uh, weights uh, picking up and uh, demand on uh, pork has been uh, slow domestically. Exports down 21% this year, so that's an issue. Is there still a demand for beef? You know, what's really amazing, Paul, is the beef demand is the number, it's the highest price uh, protein, uh, meat protein, but it also has the best demand, followed by chicken and then pork. So, yeah, the beef demand, uh, even at these high prices, just can, uh, very strong. And then, of course, we're getting into the cyclical tighter numbers. So we'll see if the, uh, if the market moves back up on beef, if the demand stays there, if the economy uh, can, in, uh, can weather that. Well, I had uh, that there was a uh, Wednesday, the boxed beef was dramatically lower. And the boxed beef prices usually gets the attention of those who might not follow livestock on a regular basis. When they see that, uh, they, they look at the consumer and things like that. Is that how you read it? 
Well, I think, you know, the Packer margins have really shrunk. You know, they were up to like this monstrous number, $400 a head at one time. They've moved back to $80. Um, and I think when you look at it, if the demand slows down a bit, um, it has good support. Uh, you know, the box beef under uh, 255 has good support around 250, probably doesn't go under that, but who knows how the economy goes. But the numbers will tighten on cattle, Paul, as you get into the, um, into the middle of October. And I tell you, it's one of the most well-advertised bull markets that I can remember. I tell you, you try and find a cattle person that's negative, they're just not out there. And part of it is, if you look at the feeder cattle and calves, they're at an all-time low on the records. The calf supply this last year down 4% since the previous year. We just keep liquidating the cow herd just because of drought, weather problems, and um, you know we'll see where it ends. Should end, Paul. Pretty expensive to feed doesn't exactly help either. Well, and I think that's part of it. If you don't have the feed period, um, you know you're gonna you know you're gonna liquidate the uh, herd, and that's what's been happening. And we think between Kansas, Colorado, and that whole South, they're going to be about 800 to 850 million bushels short on feed grain. That's a lot. So what does that mean? I mean, if I'm somewhere not in the states you just mentioned, do I figure out a way to expand a feed? A feeder operation? My well, I mean, well, you know, I think what you're seeing is, you know, and that's the goal is the feeder cattle have to get high enough that you say, listen, I'm going to keep the calf, not put it in the feedlot. I'm going to keep the heifers. I'm going to expand the herd. And that's why we usually run in a three-and-a-half-year up, three-and-a-half-year down cycle. Four years of liquidation um, should be coming to an end now, and that's the cyclical bull market that the cattle trade continues to look at. We're almost at the end of our time. Real quickly, in 15 seconds, the dollar. Does it have any more steam to keep moving higher? Well, remember the dollar sitting around 110, and it came on the board when it first came on the board at 120. As long as the, uh, we're the best of the worst, as long as the government keeps telling us interest rates are going up, dollar keeps going up, slows down exports. That's the issue, Paul. Best of the worst. I've been called that before, Don. Thanks. Good to see you. Thank you. All right. That'll do it uh, as we put a pin in this analysis. And we're going to continue with Don and answer more of your submitted questions in our Market Plus segment. You can find that on our website of markettomarket.org. It's available in both podcast and on YouTube. All of these resources, they're free. And we recently hit a milestone on our YouTube channel as more of you are finding the show, the Market Plus, and our stories that are available each and every week. Join our family by subscribing to the feed of at Market to Market. Next week, we are going to have the story of getting to one-stop shopping for the overall health of your operation. Thanks for watching. Have a great week.